Keep, keep saying that. Pay the price of the price to the pay, and the pay to the price, price, price to the pay. Pain. Because sometimes you do shite regularly. I do regularly raise do, my voice. Do the, the highest you raise the go. Loudest you raise the Loudest I go. go like this. Ha ha ha! Good. I think this is it. This is it. Yeah, I'm gonna lose Valentine's Day. We sniff Yes, we sniff lines of cocaine before we begin our podcast. <laughs> I've sniffed so hard, actually, I blocked my ear. Ow. <laughs> Trust me, it makes sense. Okay. Uh, right, you can go. I can go. Right now, yeah. just leave. Preferably. <laughs> All right then. Right. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to another episode of Accessory to Thought. Um, today, we are recording this just a day before Valentine's Day, so I thought it would be quite appropriate to have an inquiry into love. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, just during my research and loving and... No, during my <laughs> during my research on love, it's a weird topic. Like, during my research on love, I came across uh, CSLewis.com, and for you, for those of you at home, that's how you say it. Um, I'm a bit, I'm a very big fan of CS Lewis, and I think he nailed it in his uh, four types of love. Um, and those four types of love, he um, he categorized them in their sort of Greek languages. You got storage, philia. Eros and Agape. And I'll go through each one of these in turn, but I just want to read off the intro to these on his, on the website because I think it really sums up something that we can all learn from. So today, love is overused and undervalued at the same time. We love everything from various foods to cars, from movies to retailers, from people to God himself. We may, we may not cautious, co- consciously distinguish one use of love from another, in part because our speech is becoming more and more informal, but it's important to be intentional about the differences. As we know, scripture tells us that love is the highest attribute. So let's look at the four types of love found in the Bible and that Lewis helps to draw out in the four loves published in 1960 and based on a radio series he did with the BBC a few years prior to the book's release. So just ponder on that, I guess just, you know, we've got four different kinds of love, you know, off off to a good start. So I was just going to read from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3 says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So, you know, quite quite powerful words there. That love, maybe, is just the driving sort of force behind, I would say, humanity. Everything seems to be based off love these days. You have a love for, you know, as it says, movies, cars, people, different kind of activities. Um, and if you would ask people, sort of, you know, what's sort of the goal, uh, I would find that a lot of people would say, oh, just to find true love. And but then that makes me think, like, what is what is true love? What is what is it to love something that you're so attracted to? But like, 
you know, that in all the media and stuff, actually you find that that's not true. All these movies about finding true love and stuff, there usually is some kind of tragedy and that tragedy is either they don't have enough time together or they just fizzle out and you need to start again. And so when I asked around, people would say, oh, there's no such thing as true love anymore. It's this sort of thing that you need to keep on sort of like refilling like a car and um, you sort of you, you could go for a really good drive but you run out of petrol at some point and you need to refill it and um, I think in our culture today the ways especially in the youth the ways to refill I guess the the tank is to <laughs> sort of like do things that make them look good that they can fulfill their inner ambitions like sleeping around or just doing different things that makes them feel good because and it all comes to it, they need to love themselves and they need to love their friends around them and stuff. So uh, that being said, I'm just going to go on to the first kind of love. And um, I'm just going to read from, again, the C.S. Lewis website about what storage means. Now, storage basically means affection. So I'm going to read that now. Affection covers an array of loves. Like animals, the care of a mother to a babe is a picture of affection. It relies in the index on in the on the expected and the familiar. C.S. Lewis describes it as humble. Affection almost slinks or seeps through our lives, he says. It lives with humble, undress, private things, soft slippers, old clothes, old jokes, the thump of a sleepy dog's tail on the kitchen floor, the sound of a sewing machine. Affection can sit alongside with other loves and often does. For example, when a man and woman fall in love, it is often because of certain affections, a particular location, experience, personality, interest that begin to wrap around the couple uh, so to make love an expected and familiar part of their shared lives. It's the familiarity of the people whom you are thrown together in the family, the college, the mess, the ship, the religious house, says Lewis. The affection for the people always around us in the normal day-to-day -day of life is the majority of the love we experience, even if we don't label it. So affection, obviously, is a big topic. Um, it's, it's, you know, you could kindness, generosity, mercy, grace, it sort of all comes under this sort of affection. And just on kindness, C.S. Lewis um, says, kindness merely as such cares not whether its object becomes good or bad, provided only that it escapes suffering. Now, I, I find that quote quite, quite tough. Say that to, again. So, yeah, I'll just say it again. So, kindness, merely as such, cares not whether its object becomes good or bad, provided only that it escapes suffering. So, you can be kind to anything, and the sort of how do you understand kindness is it doesn't have sort of a moral affiliation. It it just it's just something that cares. It's just something that is there. You could be kind to a dog. You'd be kind to your spouse. It doesn't matter what way they go. You just want them not to suffer. And so you're kind to them. You bring kindness into your lives. And I just wanted to link back to sort of, because in the future, uh, we're going to do an episode about the characteristics of God and who he is. Um, and I'm just, how I would describe God is love. And so you could argue that if God, once you recognize, once you recognize that God is love and that love is, seems to be the driving force behind humanity's actions, you sort of begin to see him everywhere. And then as Christians, I think we really need to focus on that. So that's affection. That's the first love. I'm going to go on to the second love called philia. And this, it basically means friendship. 
So I'm going to once again read from uh, all of these I will read from cslews.com and you can search them up for yourselves to read. But uh, so friendship is the love dismissed. To the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves, says Lewis. The crown of life and the school of virtue, the modern world in comparison ignores it. Why? Perhaps we know it's the most time-consuming, the least celebrated, the one we could live without. Perhaps too, perhaps too, as Lewis says, few value it because few experience it. Romance lends itself to conception, affection enables us to have a sense of place and belonging, and charity provides a track of redemption, but friendship, friendship doesn't provide the same level of productivity. If we want to state it in a, con in a consumer mindset, uh, however, Lewis thinks friendship likely has closest resemblance to heaven where we will be intertwined in our relationships. We develop a kinship over something in common and the longing, the camaraderie makes friendship all the more wanted. Friendship must be about something, Lewis says, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow uh, follower, travelers. Think about it too. Friendships have begun, have begun faith movements, developed entire areas of thought and contributed to many projects from art to business. Even our podcast was developed out of friendship. Friendship is, I would say, a seed in which bigger and greater things can grow. But not only is friendship, I guess, the seed, but it's also the water and the energy to make that planet grow. And that would be what friendship is. And just linking that back to the Bible and how it all and just obviously tying it to affection and how affection is sort of seen mostly in a family uh let's look at who god is god throughout the bible is family driven it's family after family from adam and eve's family to abraham to joseph and his brothers to families everywhere in the bible um and I think the, re and the reason why family is such an ongoing topic in the Bible is because God wants us part of his family. God loves us so much that he sent his own son to die for us. And it says, it says um, that he's gonna, we would be adopted into his family uh, as, his, as our heavenly father. Um, so I, this is all wrap up eventually, but I'm just, I'm just trying to give you sort of these points that you know like well god love like i just want i just want those two words god and love i just want you to be thinking about those um when i talk about the next one so the next one is eros which is romantic so different than friendship lovers are always talking to one another about their love and are normally face to face absorbed in each other says lewis the danger in romantic love is to follow blindly after a feeling or passion. Now, what does that say about this world right now? Blindly following your passions, your dreams. And then we celebrate the passion and think its absence means such love has died. So once the passion has been reached, once you have it, what are you, what are you reaching for? What are you, what are you getting? It's sort of like the talking stages between, uh, between two people who have a crush say on each other and the talking stage is exciting. And, oh, what's this mean? And what's that mean? And then the moment you have it, you have a relationship and then maybe a few months, maybe even a year, once you have it, you begin to fizzle out and you feel, well, what am I pursuing now? And then you have this sort of culture of breakups and cheating and all of these different excitements that people are after. Um, so certainly true romance is not so fickle. Though the feeling is useful, the event of falling in love is of such a nature that we are right to reject as intolerable the idea that it should be transitory. 
Big words, says Lewis. In one high bound, it has overleaped the massive wall of our selfhood. It has made appetite itself altruistic, tossed personal happiness aside as a, trivial, as a triviality, and planted the interests of another in the center of our being. Spontaneously and without effort, we have fulfilled the law towards one person by loving our neighbor as ourselves. It is an image, a foretaste of what we must become. To all, if love himself rules in us without a rival. There's a reason scripture teaches this bond of man and woman. From Genesis onward, it's the picture of God's love for the world, Christ for his bride, the church, when we discover afresh that romance is more deeply set than the, driv than the drivel served up by our culture, then we will more rightly hold our spouse in the model of unconditional love. Now, what is unconditional love? Love without standards, love without bounds, love love without the lists sort of the checklist without the red flags and it's i think it's one of the most difficult things to um ever achieve i think the only real unconditional love between human beings now is i think between a parent and their child but even then when the child Why do you say that? well i don't know i just I've, i find that when you look at the world and when you see these people who are driven by love to try and love to be loved themselves which to love is look this? for a belonging which, oh yeah. which uh, love? just love in general it can be any of them so a lonely person will at the same time want to be loved but also wants to love somebody who can understand them and someone who can accept them so that they can both become a unit and you can find that in friendships and you can also find that in your significant other or um, whatever activities that you may indulge in you can we always need to find it's just human to find these ways to fill up these sort of as I said these fuel tanks that we have if we were cars I think love would be the fuel that drives us to carry on down the long road um, certainly in the Bible it, it right. talks a lot about how God's love is what um, satisfies us and sets us free it was God's love his ultimate act of love sacrificing his only son to save our sins in order for us to be with him for eternity that was the ultimate sacrifice of love it says in the Bible that the ultimate act of love is for a friend to lay down is for somebody to lay down his life for their friends so what did that's the ultimate sacrifice that's the ultimate that's the ultimate goal of what love is and God did that for every single person, um, which is impossible for somebody <clears throat> to do it um, nowadays because nobody has, nobody, first of all, nobody has that much love and nobody has that much power, that reach. And so when I link this back to unconditional love, that's exactly what happened. You know, if you lay down your life for your friends, like the condition was your life, you know, like, Say, so, so imagine imagine a group of friends in World War One all going to the trenches together. And yep. you hear about these stories how, you know, rogue grenades go off and a man dies on top of the grenade and he huddles in close to it so to, to minimize the damage. Mm -hmm. He sacrifices himself without a thought for his fellow troops, for his country. Um, certainly if he had faith. Um, and with that comes courage, I think. I think love brings courage. Um, and it doesn't matter what kind of love it is. Um, for an example, you can be courageous to go out with your friends at night, say, out to, you know, different pubs and stuff. You know, you wouldn't be doing that on your own. 
you know, in a group of friends, you feel safe and you feel secure. And the reason why you got to that point is because of a shared love that you all have together. Um, love makes you courageous with your significant other, you know, the ability to speak up and try and, you know, talk to them in the talking stages. And then if um, you, there is a relationship that becomes developed, you know, you, you have those memories of those talking stages and you feel bold and you feel brave and you feel like you can take things further because you both know each other very well. And so you, the shyness that you once had before is completely gone by them because you feel like you can be your own person with your significant other. Um, and then affection that sort of wraps that all up. Um, so if you had those other two loves, friendship and romantic as direct connections, I think affection is just sort of this atmosphere around um, families, friends, lovers. Affection is this bubble, I think, that people live in together. And to break that bubble, to do something horrible, that would be that sort of that air that aura being lost and it, it takes it's 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 hard to it's hard to gain affection once it's broken and i think that links into trust if you trust someone there is significant levels of what we've been talking about that feel that love with love comes trust and all god says in his bible in his word is to trust him because he loves us and he's never going to let us slip away if we just hold on tight to him and you know he rescues us certainly as christians we can all say that we've been rescued and all we want for other people all we want for non-christians is not to put them down but to be rescued as well and they will understand that they've been rescued i think especially in this day and age the amount of mental health problems and um just these horrible things that are happening just people making issues out of seemingly nothing it's because people are, people just want love, I guess. People just want this, uh, this idea to be, I don't know. It, it, it reminds me of, say, a dog curled up in front of a fire in a cold night. Everybody wants to be that dog coming in from the storm to seek shelter, to be loved by mm -hmm. the family in there, by to have a warm fire. I feel like, I feel like that whenever I'm a Christian and whenever I read God's word. And it pains me to see that, you know, people, people can have that. And it's a very real feeling because of, of obviously, you know, the evidence of the Bible, but also with the works of the, with works of the Christians. Um, in Paul in Corinthians, I'm going to read from First uh, Corinthians 13 now, and it's called the way of love. And I just want to, I just want to read this and I think it will tie it together and then I'll speak about the last love, which is um, the love of which is charity. So 1 Corinthians um, 13 says, um, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So it's just a repeat of what I said at the start. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable, irrit irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. 
As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of this of these is love. So I just wanna focus on that last line, faith, hope, and love. Love being the greatest. It's quite, it's quite interesting to sort of understand this concept, you know, and it, I, I really believe that if you look in anybody's motives, there is a love there. There is a genuine interest, even, I mean, when I say that, uh, what I remind myself of is sort of like a job, you know, pursue your dream job. But even people who don't have their dream job, they're, they're there because they feel like they need to provide, maybe for a family, maybe for themselves to look like they can go out with their friends to, you know, we're sort of, we're always trying to prove ourselves. And I think that proving ourselves, that driving down that path of, you know, being noticed is driven entirely by love. So I'm just gonna talk now about the last love called charity, also known as agape. This is our chief aim. The unconditional love of the Father given to us through his Son. Affection, friendship, and romantic love are all each the training ground for charity to grow. It's also a rival to the three. Lewis mentions St. Augustine's deep loss of a friend who says that such desolation is what occurs when we give our heart to anything but God. All human beings pass away, says Lewis. Don't put your goods in a leaky vessel. Don't spend too much on a house you may be turned out of. Yet we are made to love. You may be tur or yet, yet we are made to love and we are in want of it. If we play it safe, we are not living out the gospel, but burying the coin in the safe ground. As the parable says, Lewis reminds us, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be certainly wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around you, with, around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to, the alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. If we think that perhaps love is not worth the sorrow, the pain, then we are more pagan than Christian. Though the fall has invited such, selfless, such selfishness to linger, heavy in our culture, ours is the gospel charge. To go to the ninth degree, to love those who are broken, not for some vague humanitarian effort, but to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Let us ask God to awaken such an abandoned and reckless love to come alive in us. So that sort of clears up what I was, the riddle, I guess, of unconditional love. And it, it's shocking that it, it's such an opposite viewpoint of what the world says. The world says love, love people, you know? Man, let's all get together and just, you know, just, just love one another. 
but here St. Louis is like no if you if you give your if you give love away so easily you'll have your heart broken if you give it away to pretty much anything that's not eternal then you're setting yourself up to a broken heart and this is why the love of God and us loving God is an eternal thing God can never die God can never pass away if our love to God something that's undying something that's real something that you can openly discuss something that you can show um, through all the things that you do, through just the speech that you say, your mannerisms that other people are looking at you from. So you, so you say you should love, um, you should only love God and no one else. Is that what you're saying? See, that, that, that's the thing, isn't it? It seems that Lewis is saying you should put all your love into God and nothing else because everything else will let you down. But actually... Is that not besides the point? Well... Actually, if you look here, if you love God through that, through your love for God and through the study of his word and him hopefully speaking to you via his word, um, you can see everything else. You can be, you're able to love in a way that's adequate. C.S. Lewis says, he, when he became a Christian, it was like the sun rising, not only because he can see the sun, but also because of the sun, he can see everything else. This idea that if you... If you throw all your love upon God, then you become like God. You have this ability to see love everywhere you go because what is God? God is ultimately love. He made this whole world because to love us, not for us to love him. I mean, that's why we're free people. We have this choice. He made us for him to love us. And so, and he's proven that time and time again with his, you know, his acts of love, his acts of justice, um, and through ultimately his son, Jesus Christ, in defeating death and sin on our behalf so that we didn't have to go through that punishment because we are all sinners. He came and he took our punishment that we so rightly deserved and he saved, he saved us. And through saving us, therefore achieving the ultimate act of love. So coming back to what you said about should we just love God and nothing else? No, I think if you love God so much, you'll begin to understand why everything else needs to love and we need to point them towards God because it's completely and utterly mirrored. If you love God, you know, it, it, it comes right back. God loves you in turn. The, the, every issue in life is talked about in his word, in his Bible. And he's given us that graciously out of love. He's given us his son out of love. And through love is, I guess, the only, what's the word, um, effective way in living through life. Because as, human, as humans, again, we're all, we're all looking for something to love. But time and time again, in the long run, we're always let down. You know, we're always let down by lovers, by loves, by things that we love and by the things that love us. But God can never do how that. Are you, how are you let down by love? How are you let down by love? When it runs out when you feel like you've got no one to talk to. Who do you love when you're, who does a depressed person love when he's sitting in a room alone thinking about all the times that say nobody cared for them or they're just sitting in a dark room and they just feel nothing? Where's the love then? Do they still have the capacity to love? Yeah, now why do we have a capacity to love? What, because we're human beings? We're human beings because we're built with these sort of mental fuel tanks, as I said, that can only be filled with love. Not only things loving us, 
where, but also us loving things, you know? Yeah. Like to get love, you first have to love. And you know, it's, it's something like that in the Bible says, we love because he first loved us. Love is a reflective energy thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> energy thing, all right? And <laughs> via that, through that, we begin to see and understand and we don't conk out. If you love God, you don't conk out like you do a failed relationship. Like you do when your friends aren't there for you. God's always gonna be there for you. God has an eternal sort of, it's like an eternal fuel tank, you know? Like whenever you're, look, whenever you're low on fuel, and every time I say fuel, I mean love. When you're low on fuel, you need to get more obviously in order to keep going yeah, through like, life. God has that. Just because someone treats you awfully doesn't mean that you, it's impossible to love them. Mm-hmm. Well, you can still love them. Exactly, but this is this this is the thing about affection. Remember I talked about affection being this sort of bubble around you. You know, affection doesn't care whether the person, the, the object of kindness say, the object of affection doesn't care whether the it goes good or evil. It doesn't care, but it's more of it only, only cares that they escape suffering. You know, and you can, you can have very kind well, people. People are wrapped this, in this affection. This is the four loves again, your man said about. Mm-hmm. List them, them. So, affection, friendship, romantic love, and charity. So, those are the four loves. And charity is the most different out of them all because not only does it trump them all, but also rivals them Explain all. Explain them all in uh, 10 seconds each. In 10 seconds each, okay. So, affection. This sort of feel around you that which you care it's kindness it's all it's grace it's mercy it's it's a quality that you that you have that you deem is right and morally good but it doesn't care whether the object of your affection is morally right or wrong it only cares if it escapes suffering so generosity and that such as such um so and then you have friendship which is just the friendship between the you know, camaraderie general politeness that kind of idea that you can uphold each other through friendship and uh, romantic relationships this idea that you can pour everything that you have your heart and soul into somebody and expect it back expect it and then that there's that sort of twist that there's that sort of trick it cannot endure because people so why right why the romantic love why you're saying it's expecting back what's it expecting back if you pour your heart and soul into somebody Right. And you get nothing back. You'll conk out. You'll run right. out of juice. Because as humans, not only, like, we, oh, that's our fuel. That's, our, that's, our, that's, that's, that's what keeps us going. Right. right? We, need, we need to have an intake. We need to refuel. And a romantic relationship is sort of this back and forth. It's like a game of tennis, the ball being love. And it's this rally that keeps on going. Maybe somebody's a little bit more dominant and <laughs> smashes the tennis ball on the other court and the other person can't quite live up to that standard. They're right. It's going to be better than them. Or if they're just completely different people and they're in completely different fields, say one's a badminton player and one's a tennis player, that's not going to last very long, is it? Because they're different. Right. But then again, you know, it, it's, it's so malleable yet so structurally like solid that it's just everywhere. Like love is just... <laughs> It's, our, it's the thing that keeps us going, basically. And I'm saying that in order to keep going, not only are we giving love to other people, so filling up their fuel tanks, but people all around us are also 
filling up our fuel tanks. Right. But you see, that's not, it's not efficient because as human beings, we all run out eventually, but God never runs out. And, they, and he's proven time and time again throughout his word. And if you would only just open up his word and realize that, hang on, this is an infinite thing. It's sort of like an infinite free um, petrol station. You know, you don't need to give anything to get it. Right. You know, he has given all for us. All we need to do is understand the reason why he came. And that reason is sin. And once we understand that, once we understand the sinful nature of man, the evils in the world, and once we give our hearts to him, that's, that's it. You're, you're saved. You're done. You're forever loved by him. You're forever fueled up. You know, it's like driving a car that never needs to be refueled again or absolutely nothing. Tax free. Woof, off you go. Sweet. Good. And, but I'm not saying like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to big that idea up because Christians get depressed too. You know, we are not. But that's because we're people, you know, and the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about how hard it is running the race, Paul says. You know, it's not about winning. It's not about getting first across the line. It's about actually, and it's going to sound really cringy, but actually contributing to that race. But people have, people, people have hardships understanding what kind of race they're running. You know, live for the weekend kind of thing. People have adopted this mentality of work, weekend, work, weekend, work, weekend. This idea that, oh, just live for fun. That's not sustainable. People still get depressed. That's not the cure. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is, love is the cure. But like how, let's say love is a medicine, right? And you're suffering, right? And this medicine is the only thing that's going to keep you alive. All right? right. The love of man is like, it's like just your tiny little medicine closet. What do you do when you run out? You search out to get more. That's what that's what people do to avoid such de- like depression and stuff. People search to get more medicine. But with God, God is just this, this, this God's the factory of love. You know, you always go there and you'll always get it and you'll always have it. And I think that's encouraging to understand. And also, if you're not a Christian, it's very like achievable and very obtainable because it's there. It's dangling in front of your faces. And the only reason why people don't go for it is because they don't understand. They don't understand that love is a thing. Like I think love is temporary most of the time, but love is forever with God. When you're you're on the side of God, it's forever factor. You're in it for the long run, the longest of runs. Everyone else is gonna conk out and in this highway of life, everyone's gonna run out of fuel and be left behind. And as Christians, it's our duty to come in from behind and be like, yo, here's here's an infinite source of fuel. You want it? People be like, no, I can make it on myself. I can make it by myself, thanks. Well, Mm, not really because <laughs> you're out of fuel people need love to continue going forward all right and it's just as simple as turning to god this who is love god god is love we love because he first loved us he was the first he's the alpha and the beginning the alpha and omega the beginning and the end so if he's there at the if he was there at the start he's also there at the finish humanity we can't be at the finish line because we've started and we're only mortal but as christians when you become a christian you actually kind of you know you're immortal until um you're until god tells you to calls you back home back to heaven you know and that's something that's i guess really encouraging being a christian and yeah that's just sort of what love is a fuel something that keeps you going right right um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this passage. Um, it's in Romans, and 
Paul's is talking about the marks of a true Christian mm. and it sort of parallels uh, the ideas you've been talking about so I'll read it right now uh, let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast what is good love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honour do not be slothful in zeal be fervent in the spirit serve the Lord rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be constant in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse them rejoice with those who who rejoice weep with those who weep live in harmony with one another do not be haughty but associate with the lowly never be wise in your own sight repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do uh, to do what is honorable in the sight of all if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all beloved never avenge yourself but leave it to wrath of, to the wrath of God for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord to the contrary if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him something to drink for by doing so you will keep you will heap burning hot coals on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good hmm. so is this whole idea of the marks of a true Christian is this brotherly affection mm-hmm. right let love be genuine and um, love one another with a brotherly affection mm-hmm. and it's talking about repay evil with good and that's how you mm. overcome evil and it's so it's such an opposite sort of way of understanding compared to the world this you know if someone like, like hits you you have the right to hit them back that idea this idea of justice but with but with um, the bible God's like look I am justice I am vengeance that is because he is our father and he loves us you know people who attack god's family will be punished but also at the same time you can join in his family and he can protect you as well and this is he's got such a way of using sin to his advantage you can see that time and time again in the bible with joseph with jesus um the, the our last episode was with with jonah you know how good came from very bad uh, situations um, God uses that and that just shows that nothing is outside outside of um, God's control and having been obviously I haven't spent a good bit of time not being a Christian and just hearing that you know my or my reaction is sort of bruh no <laughs> one is kind of weird but like if you just yeah if you just think about it like what's the harm in looking for another source of love for the people who feel tired for the people who are just low on love for the people who are lonely what's wrong with giving god a try you know what's what's the worst that can happen and once you do and jesus said if you if you search for me you will find me he promises that if you do that you will find god and you will find unlimited peace and unlimited joy at some point the moment you die you'll be in the greatest place on the earth and that is that's that's something that we as christians need to understand and hold on to because we'll always have a fuel tank we'll always have a full fuel tank with god and you can't have that anywhere else in the world and the statement give god a try does not rub me the right way okay because that it's like you have all the power. Oh, I'll give you a yeah. try. It's not. Well, we we have we have talked about this. I'm not I'm not saying it as if you know push God to the corner is just a choice. God isn't a choice at the moment of your dying day. Your everyone's gonna meet him. All right. I'm just saying 
that when you find when you find that you're at your lowest point, you know, God's there and there's no what's the worst that can happen? Best do it now, right now, you know, while you still while you still can. While there's still time. Every breath that you draw is a gift for, from God. And you'll begin to understand that when you open up his book, when you begin to, when you talk to other Christians, when you, that Christian friend that you know, you know, just give them a little text and be like, look, what's this all about? <laughs> and as Christians, it's our duty to tell them and um, just be there for them. And again, fill up their fuel tank, fill up their love tank. <laughs> but um, I guess that's sort of, like I could go on and on about the love of God because as I said, it's infinite and there's just stories upon stories in the Bible, but just this is just in its simplest sort of form. I really, I would really encourage you to read The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. Um, very good book. Um, and just, you know. What's it called again? Uh, it's called The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. It's a very good book. That's this, not that book. This here, this is just a collection of all his, right. but that's not, that's, that's for later uh, but um, yeah just love in its simplest form is a fuel and God is the only way you can get infinite amounts of it fair enough fair enough alright thank you like subscribe download <laughs> uh, Instagram follow us hello goodbye bye bye <laughs> episode 12 maybe 12.